In 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul says that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Now, devices is an interesting word. In the Greek, it's the word noema. It, it doesn't have a direct English equivalent. It means a mental perception or an evil purpose or that which thinks. It's talking about how Satan can twist the mind. Satan has his ways of warping our thoughts for his own evil purposes. Now, if Paul was writing this letter to modern Christians in America, I wonder if he would say it that way. <laughs> I wonder if he might actually say, you Christians are very ignorant of his devices. You need to listen to this today because this episode is going to teach you all his tricks. Listen today because you have an enemy who wants to destroy your life and everything you love, and he won't lose a wink of sleep over it. We call him Satan or the devil, the serpent in the garden, the dragon, or that guy who wrote the last season of Lost. Whatever you want to call him, he's real. And the Bible warns us about his devices. And we'll be studying them today on this episode of the Cross References Podcast. the Cross References Podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a new Christian or a veteran Bible reader, my goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. My name is Luke Taylor, and I know almost nothing about sports, but I did help with a local community basketball tournament over Christmas break, and uh, sometimes the teams would use something called a full court press. Now, listen, I'm not a sports guy. Like I said, I'm not going to explain this the best. But in basketball, typically, when the other team gets the ball and, you know, a couple of players are going to bring it down to their end of the court and then you start playing defense against them over on their side of the basketball court. But a full court press, this is an aggressive defense tactic. It's that when the other team gets the ball, you are in their face right from that moment. Like you don't even try to let them dribble the ball back to their side. You are trying to steal it or slow them down or wear them out before they even get to their side to play some offense. Now, I don't like the full court press myself. <laughs> I think it's a little bit mean. Um, you know, I'd, like I said, I'm not a sports guy. My opinion shouldn't matter too much on this. I just think it doesn't look like great sportsmanship to do that to the other team. But anyway, like I said, my opinion didn't matter. I was not even a commentator on this game. I was I was a camera operator for them. And so all I had to do was watch. And as I was watching, I just kept thinking about how the devil is just like that. He is constantly hounding us. He, he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He does not let up. He is the wolf going after the sheep. He is constantly looking for an opening. He is constantly looking for a chance to bring you down. The thief comes to still kill and destroy. And what are thieves always looking for? An opportunity. The devil comes at you with a full court press. And today I want to prepare you for the fight so that you can stand against him and even fight back. So I have two main sections today, defense and offense. And I will try to keep them quick so that we can just move right along. Because at the end of today's lesson, I have a warning for you. And I, I think you need to hear that warning. So I want you to listen all the way through to the end today. Um, you need to know this stuff because when you decide that enough is enough, and it's time to start fighting back against the devil, start fighting back against the demons that you're struggling with in your life, 
then uh, you need to know what to do when you get to that point. But first, let's talk about shoring up our defenses. One of the first ones to remember is to close any open doors that you have in your life to the demonic. Like if you are living in sin, and I'm just talking here about blatant, obvious sin, you need to stop that because your prayers are not going to be very effective until you get that under control. You can't be living in agreement with the devil in one part of your life and then expect to be effective at fighting against him in some other part. So if there's any part of your life that is in rebellion to God right now, if you're hooked on porn, if you have an honesty problem, if you're having sex outside of marriage, anything that's just an obvious sin in your life, the first thing you need to do is get that under control. Okay, don't don't tell me that you're serious about fighting the devil if you're not even going to have some self-control. Okay? Okay. Well, <laughs> nothing nothing else I need to say on that. I mean, I mean, listen, if you need help with a specific thing, you know, email me or something. I will pray with you. I will um I will pray for you. I will try to direct you to resources that can help you. But that is step one. If you're going to get Satan out of your life, deal with the obvious sin first. Okay? And step two here, witchcraft and the occult. This is probably not most of you, but perhaps some of you could be dealing with that. Um, I'm talking about going to spiritists or mediums, trying to talk to the dead or talk to spirits or talk to ghosts, anything like that. The Bible says to stay away from it. Okay? Not, Not because it's fake but because it's real. So listen, if there's something in your life and and maybe you're not sure if if it's something that you should be involved in, I'm going to ask you to pray about it. I'm going to ask you to consider getting rid of it. Okay? Uh, Step three. Let's talk about some of the more subtle ways that we give the devil a foothold in our lives. Okay? Not the things that might just be an obvious sin that jumps out at you at the start, but I want to talk about some things that that maybe ways that he could have entry into your life in more subtle forms. Um, and, and there's probably more of this than I could cover in just one episode. But here's what I did. I just basically got out my Strong's Concordance and I looked at all the times that Satan or devil shows up in the New Testament. I didn't even go into the Old Testament. Like I said, I could probably go deeper into this. I could just keep digging. But I just looked at New Testament. And so I'm going to give you a survey of all the, t- all the things I found where it gives us a clue as to ways that Satan can get an entry point or a foothold into your life um, or indications that he's got one. Okay, so we'll start with Luke 13, 16. Jesus is speaking. He says, Ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? So there is a woman that Jesus was healing and she had back problems. And, and of all things, back problems. And he blamed the devil for it. You know, the doctors didn't know what to do with this woman, but Jesus knew. He said she was bound by Satan and he got Satan to let her go. So here's something to keep in mind, guys. Sickness, disease, those things can come from Satan. Apparently even back issues. Okay, it's right there in the Bible. Probably any kind of medical issue that you're dealing with, there could be a demonic background to it. So I'd say if something is ailing you, ask God if it is some kind of spiritual attack and ask him if he would set you free from it. Okay, this woman, she was bound, but Jesus said, be loosed. Okay, God can set someone free from this. If you need help, if you need prayer, ask a Christian to pray for you. Go up to your pastor this Sunday, ask him to pray for you in case there is any kind of spiritual attack going on. You don't need to be embarrassed about it. This woman in the story, she got set free. Don't be embarrassed. Ask for help. It might not be a spiritual thing at all. It might be natural causes or whatever. But in case, you could be under you could be under spiritual attack. It might not be your fault. 
but get some help, get some prayer. And, and maybe it could be as Jesus told this woman, thou art loosed. Okay. So get prayer, but, but Hey, first listen, listen to this podcast, finish this podcast first, because there, there could be some other stuff going on in your life that maybe you also need to take care of. So let's keep going. Acts 5, 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? So I won't get into the whole story there, but um, right here, if you have a lying problem, Satan could have filled your heart. If you have a lying problem, there could be some demonic influence right there on you. And, uh, you know, not trying to hurt your feelings, sorry, not, not trying to hurt your feelings here. Uh, if you don't want to hear that, it's too bad because that's Bible. All right. So if you got a lying problem, there's a very good chance that there are evil spirits. As Peter said, Satan filled their heart. Take care of that. Okay. Get him out. First Corinthians seven, five. This is talking to husbands and wives, by the way. He said, do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This verse is talking about the sexual relationship between a husband and wife. And Paul's advice right here is that they need to keep the marriage bed hot, okay? So if you have a sexless marriage, the Bible tells you to fix it, all right? A-S-A-P. Why is that? It tells us why. Because when a husband and wife are not having regular sexual relations, it gives Satan a foothold. It gives him an open door. He starts messing with their heads. All right. So that's my admonition to you. If you're in a sexless marriage right now, do what you need to do to fix it. And you want to cut that opportunity off for Satan. Don't play with fire. Don't keep it that way. Do what you can to fix it. If you're having sexual dysfunction, sexual disagreement in your marriage, maybe first of all, both of you just read the whole chapter of First Corinthians 7. That might answer a lot of your questions right there. Okay. Get the help you need and, and fix it because you don't want to give Satan a foothold. 2 Corinthians 2.10 and 11. I actually read part of this at the start of the program. Let me give you the full context now. It says, Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. I know there's a whole context here we're not getting, but the forgiveness. Okay, that's the main point here. And then here's how that finishes. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So a lack of forgiveness can can be a root of bitterness in your life. And this issue can give Satan a foothold. All right? So that that is that whole thing about we are not ignorant of his devices, it's actually in a context right there of talking about forgiving people if you need to forgive them. Okay? Don't don't keep holding that grudge. Get, find peace. Forgive that person. Stop being angry at them because your unforgiveness can give Satan an advantage. It gives him an advantage against you. It means he starts sticking his thoughts into your head and, and you're not even going to recognize them as coming from Satan because here's what's going on in your mind. You've got this gaping hole in your defenses and it's called unforgiveness, okay? Whatever unforgiveness that you're harboring is creating resentment, bitterness, and the enemy uses these things to make a portal right into your brain. And then he can exert a lot of control over you. All right, so close the hole, figure out what you got to do to forgive this person. And again, I th- I could do a whole podcast on forgiveness. I'm just trying to hit bullet points today, okay? Figure out what you got to do to fix this issue. By the way, unforgiveness, it's not an actual word, Did you? <laughs> in case you didn't know. It's one of those Christianese words 
that someone just made up and then we kind of keep using it because we we all know what it means but i still i hate i hate bad grammar and all that so i hate myself for using it <laughs> but <laughs> i think everybody knows what i mean when i say unforgiveness okay unforgiveness is fertile ground for a root of bitterness second corinthians 12 7 paul writes so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited actually this is one of the most shocking verses that i came across as i was doing my study here in the concordance this is paul writing right here Paul was a special guy, right? I mean, he'd been given a lot of unique revelation from God. And that's the kind of thing that could make a person prideful. But he says Satan or a, a messenger of Satan, so perhaps like a demon or a, a, fall, a fallen angel or something, was released to harass Paul. So as he said, the purpose of this harassment was to keep Paul from becoming prideful and conceited. Now, who was it that wanted to humble Paul? Did Satan want to keep Paul humble? I doubt it, because <laughs> Satan Satan wants the opposite for us. He wants to make us more prideful, not less prideful. He wants to make us more sinful. So if this was sent, or if this was allowed to happen in Paul's life, it had to be because of God. God would be the one who would be interested in keeping Paul humble. So it says he sent Paul a thorn in the flesh. It's such a weird, strange thing. God allows Satan into our lives sometimes. You know, it's like Jesus told Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. I'm always like, well, did, did you tell him to take a hike or something? <laughs> you know, but but Jesus didn't. He didn't tell G Satan to take a hike. Jesus allowed Peter to go through it. And sometimes God just allows us to go through it. He will give us over even to Satan for a testing for a time. But the interesting thing is that that whole time, God is on our side. I mean, he is rooting for us to get through it. So it's it's very interesting. And so it's like God sent Satan to send a demon to test Paul. It's just very strange how all that works out. I've been covering this concept of God using Satan for various purposes on my other podcast. It's called Weird Stuff in the Bible. And I probably need to do an episode on 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Um, we should add that to the list because there's a lot of places in the Bible that, that God actually uses Satan. So, okay, next. Second Thessalonians 2.9, it says the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. Now, that's actually a verse about the Antichrist, but it's saying right there that he is powered by Satan. And it says one of the things that Satan do can do is false miracles to deceive people. So that's just another thing to keep in mind. Just because you see something miraculous or supernatural does not automatically mean that it's from God. First Timothy 3, 6. Um, it's giving some instruction here about selecting leaders for your churches. And it says he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Um, so it says there, whenever you're selecting a leader for your church, like a pastor or a deacon, you don't want to select a newbie Christian because if you do that, you might just make the guy prideful and that could cause him to fall into sin, just like that's what got Satan got kicked out of heaven. If you have a lot of pride, that can be an open door. I guess I, I kind of covered this earlier when I talked about Paul's thorn in the flesh. It was sent to Paul to keep him humble. Why is that? Well, pride can be an open door for the enemy into your life. Now, how does this work? 
Well, when somebody offends you, how quickly do you get over it? You know, if, if you're just a pretty humble person and somebody is offensive to you, you tend to get over it pretty quick. You know, you just kind of, you kind of have a way to work it out in your mind to where you're not even really thinking about it the next day. You've already moved on. And and that that's a good place to be in. OK, you don't need to hold on to grudges. You don't need to be keep, keep tossing it over in your head, turning it over in your mind again and again. See, if you're a prideful person and someone offends you, Satan is right there at the door. <laughs> you know, he's like, can you believe what they just said to you? Wow. I wonder what they must think of you. I wonder what they're saying whenever you're not around. It's not okay for them to talk to you like that. And and you wake up the next morning and Satan's right back there. Man, can you believe how they disrespected you last night? Can you believe what they said about you at church last night? Satan is not going to let you forget it. He's going to have you imagining all kinds of scenarios in your head, things that probably didn't even happen. But you aren't thinking about that. You're just thinking about how mad you are about what they did that offended you. Why is that? How does he get that access into your mind to make you think all these thoughts? Pride. Okay? Your pride gives him that access to your mind. And I know we all have pride. We all struggle with pride to some degree. But the more pride you have, it's like the bigger of an opening that he has into your mind. Let's look at another verse here. Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. It says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. I think some versions actually say, don't don't give the devil a foothold. It's a word I've been using a lot in this. Anger is one of those things that gives the devil a foothold in your life. Uh, kind of like I was saying earlier about unforgiveness. Whenever you're holding on to anger in your heart, in your mind, you keep thinking about that person that you're mad at. Thinking about what they did to you. Thinking about that situation they created. How they never said they were sorry. How you'd like to get even with them. You just keep turning that whole situation over and over in your head, over and over and over. And what you're doing there is you're creating a wide open door for Satan to stroll right into your mind and start planting his ideas into your head. And you have made it so easy for him to do that. You made it easy for him to basically get control of you. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to hear from the Holy Spirit or do you want to hear from Satan? I think 10 out of 10 Christians listening right now would tell me that they would rather hear from the Holy Spirit than hear from Satan. But if you're holding on to anger in your mind, you have created a situation where Satan basically is in there with a megaphone and the Holy Spirit's volume is turned way down. That anger in your mind is going to make Satan drown out your thoughts and even God's thoughts. So that verse says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. It's okay to be angry for a little while. Everyone gets angry for a little while. Even Jesus got angry for a little while. But you have to let it go. And you got to let it go as soon as possible. Because if not, you open yourself up to spiritual attack. Satan is going to fill up your mind with all kinds of crazy ideas about this other person that you're mad at. So listen, as we wrap this section up, just notice that a lot of our struggles with the enemy are in our minds. They're in our thoughts. Uh, my friend Daniel Moore, he's covering this on his podcast right now as well. Uh, it's called Connecting the Gap. And if you want a good resource to look at that you know will help you win this war in your mind, go look at the episodes he's doing right now in January of 2024. That'd be a good resource when you get done with this episode if you need a little extra help. Another good resource, there's a book by Ken Abraham. It's called Stand Up and Fight Back. He writes, when the devil plants a thought in your mind that, that you know is contrary to the will of God, 
Don't be afraid to rebuke that thought or the source. For instance, if your mind suddenly seems saturated with thoughts of suicide or illicit drugs or sex outside of marriage or becoming involved in occult activities or dishonest business practices or any other thoughts that you know go against God's word, immediately reject those ideas as from the devil. That's some good advice right there. So that's from the book Stand Up and Fight Back by Ken Abraham. So that's that gives you a good idea right there. Those thoughts are not necessarily from you guys. That could just be from the enemy. It's from a demon. And you think that and you're like, man, I'm some terrible person for thinking that way. No, you just say that came from the enemy and I reject that thought. Here's what we do with those thoughts. It's 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Not talking about, well, strongholds are like a castle or something, but that's not what it's talking about, okay? Pulling down strongholds in the mind. All right, this is what it's talking about. You can pull down strongholds in the mind because our weapons are not physical weapons. We're talking about spiritual weapons. All right, it's a mental battle. Verse five, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Here's what it's telling us. Think about what you're thinking about. The more that you are aware of how Satan does this, the more you will start to recognize your own thoughts and recognize that not everything you think comes from you. Okay, I have thoughts sometimes and I'm like, that's a messed up thought. Like, why did I even think that? (laughs) I get down on myself. I start condemning myself and I'm like, wait a second. Probably didn't even come from me. Well, I reject that thought and I cast it down. All right. You might go through a season, you might go through a day, a week, a month, where you're just getting tempted like crazy. And you're, you're like, man, what is going on with me lately? Why am I why am I thinking like this? Why is it so much harder to say no to this now than it used to be? And like, am I just this bad, wicked person? Have I backslid? Like, why am I even dealing with this temptation right now? Okay, if you're experiencing that, that is probably a spiritual attack. And the enemy is probably trying to derail you Because he wants to get you off your purpose. Like he knows God has something good for you around the corner. He's trying to get you off that path. So listen, guys, in those times, don't get all depressed and start wondering like, oh, why am I struggling so much with this right now? Why am I struggling with this temptation? Okay, when you're feeling that, you recognize those thoughts as from the enemy and you cast them down. And this temptation, it will pass. You just have to overcome it. You have to get through it. And I really, this, this merges into the second section today about how we fight back against Satan. I mean, I've really already given you a bunch of ways to fight back. Like if you've got anger, if you've got pride, if you've got unforgiveness, if you've got sexual sin, it, like if, once you get that under control, you're, you're already turning the tables on Satan whenever you do that. Okay. You're already freeing yourself from so many of the ways that he tries to bind you. You are cutting off his access whenever you do that. But here's a little bit more help (laughs) to help you stick it to him. All right. Ephesians chapter six. Very familiar passage for those of you who um, have read about fighting the devil before. But I want to explain a little bit about what it means. So Ephesians six, starting at verse 10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
that's a good verse that we built up to today, guys. It says, it's stand up, stand strong. The word stand up here is a lot right here. Don't cower away from the devil. You can protect yourself from his schemes, from his devices, from his attacks. And we do that with the armor of God. Ephesians 6, verses 13 and 14. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. So let's stop right there. The belt of truth. You, f- you fasten truth around your waist. You stand in truth. Okay, what does that mean? You figure out the principles. You figure out the things you believe, the things that you know are true, and you stand in that. Your identity, who you are in Christ. You say, I am not a child of the devil anymore. I am a son of God. I am a new creation. You know, sometimes you try to go fight the devil. You start feeling so down. You start feeling so worthless. It's like, listen, guys, fine. Just plead the blood of Jesus. Plead those things that you know to be true. Okay. And you say, I am, I am a new creation in Christ because that is what the word of God tells me. That blood as a covering for your sins, that is something true. And you can put your faith in that. It doesn't matter how you feel. Put your faith in what you know is true. Don't trust in what you feel. Trust in the facts. Trust in what you know. So you say, I am a child of God. Satan is under my feet. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That is truth right there. Still with verse 14, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, okay, aka right there, live a clean life. We talked earlier about ways to clean up your life. Verse 15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Satan has fiery darts. The opposite of faith is fear. Satan is going to try to throw everything he can at you to make you afraid, to make you doubt, to weaken your faith. But you throw up your faith as a shield. Something happens in your life you don't understand. You read something in the Bible that you don't understand. That's going to test your faith. But keep your faith because that is your shield when the enemy is trying to make you doubt. I went through a testing period a few years ago, and uh, my mother-in-law said something that I I haven't really forgotten it. Um, I can't remember exactly how she said it. It's something like this. The greatest act of love that you can give God is whenever you say, I don't even understand what's going on right now, but I still trust you. I don't even know what's going on in my life, God, but I still trust you. How can you show him greater love than that? When you're in those faith-testing seasons, the devil is going to try to get you to doubt God. So you use your faith as a shield. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let me stop there. The Bible, the Word of God, that is your sword. This is the only offensive weapon in the armor of God. Everything else is defensive that we've been talking about. This is offense right here. This is what you can use to fight back. When Satan was tempted by the devil, he always responded with scripture. Okay, you can go look it up. It's in Matthew 4. I think it's also in Luke 4. Every time the devil threw a temptation at him, Jesus didn't get into some kind of scholarly debate with the devil. He just quoted the Bible. And when he did that, the devil had no answer for the Bible. Okay, the spiritual realm knows that God's word is indestructible. And guess what? God has given you that indestructible weapon and placed it in your hands. That is the sword of the Spirit. 
And then there's one more component of the armor of God. And usually this one gets left off. Like most preachers will preach this passage and they will stop at verse 17. Verse 17 is not the end of the passage. It's not even the end of the sentence. <laughs> verse 18 finishes the sentence. And verse 18 is the most important part of all. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Our greatest weapon is prayer. If you are not praying, you know what? If you're not praying, all this other stuff's not going to do much good. Like you can get rid of your sins. You can read your Bible and you can know the truth. But if you're not also going to pray, your relationship with God is going to run dry. And, and you're going to be pretty ineffective as a spiritual warrior. So what good is it going to do to silence Satan's voice if you don't also get to know the Holy Spirit's voice better? Pray. All right. This is the most important thing. In fact, some people don't like hearing this, but if you're going to get serious about spiritual warfare, 99% of spiritual warfare is prayer. Okay. We hear spiritual warfare. We think it's cool. We think we're going to go out and cast demons out of people, you know, walking down the street. That's great if you can do that. But 99% of the time it's, it's prayer and it's fasting and it's building yourself up spiritually so maybe someday you're walking down the street and you run into a demon-possessed person. You're not going to do anything for him if you don't have a powerful prayer life in, at home, in private, in your prayer closet first. Matthew 6 is the model prayer from Jesus. It's called the Lord's Prayer. I won't read the whole thing, but here's what it says in verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is spiritual warfare right there, guys. Some translations will even say, from the evil one. And who's it talking about when it says that? It's talking about Satan. That is spiritual warfare. Okay, some Christians think spiritual warfare is some weird concept. It's something only the super Christians do. Something only those crazy Pentecostals, they get all caught up in it. Guys, no. Spiritual warfare, it's in the Lord's Prayer. It's the exact way that he tells us to pray. So we should engage in spiritual warfare every time we pray, every time. Now, before you pause this podcast and start praying, there is one more thing that I want you to know. Uh, there's a warning I want to give you if you want to do battle with the devil. Okay, before you go charging into the fight, there's one more thing that you need to prepare yourself for first. I want to share that with you as we close down here in a few moments. Next time on this podcast, um, I have one more lesson I would like to do about the devil. And I want to talk about his fate. I want to talk about where he's going. The devil's time is limited. It's running out. And so next week, I just would like to focus on talking about the devil in the book of Revelation. And so for you, make sure that you're subscribed so that you can get it. And I'm also covering the devil this month on my other podcast, Weird Stuff in the Bible. Because a lot of the material in that podcast, it's really supplemental to what I'm talking about here in this one. So um, for everything you didn't want to know about Satan, everything you wanted to know, even everything you didn't want to know, don't just look at cross-references, but check out weird stuff in the Bible too. And, um, and that'll give you the full scope of what I've been discussing here recently and all the research I've been putting together for you all. 
If you have a question for me, you can leave a comment if you're on a on a platform that does comments, or you can send an email to crossreferencespodcast at gmail.com. And that's how you can get in touch with me anytime. If you need prayer for something, I'll pray for you. I'll keep it private if you want, but send me an email if you want prayer. Be warned about something, guys. When you go to fighting against Satan, I, there's something I want you to know. He fights back. It, it, once you get serious, once you get the... I, I, what I've done today is really bring you into an awareness of how the enemy operates in our lives. And I would imagine that you know, for many of you listening, you heard something today. At some point, something clicked in your head and you're like, oh, that's been the devil. Okay, so we get this first, we get to this point of awareness and we get, then we get equipped in how to fight back and we're like, I'm going to start praying more. Good. Okay, do it. But I got to warn you about something. When you start this fight, you're going to come into some immediate resistance. Like as soon as you start praying, he is going to try to trip you up right off the bat. If you start praying or if you start fasting against the forces of darkness, if, if you have not done that in a while, you are going to get some kind of initial resistance. Okay? you get, When you take your prayer to the next level, you're going to fight the next devil. New levels, new devils. This is what's going to happen. You're, and here's what I mean. It, let's get real practical. You're going you're gonna to get a flat tire. You're going to get sick. You're going to get some kind of bad news at your job. You're going to get into a fight with your spouse. Something is going to happen. Okay, something's, something's going to happen. Your kid's going to get sick. You're going to get distracted. This is the devil trying to throw you off. Okay, this is, he is, he's trying to get your mind on something else. Or he might start tempting you like crazy. He's throwing something that's real enticing out there for you. He is going to try to weaken you spiritually. If he can get you to sin, he can do a lot of damage to your prayers. He can derail your prayer life. So here's what I'm telling you guys. Buckle down. If you're going to go to war against the devil, be ready for the fight and be ready for what he's going to throw at you to wreck your faith. Okay, you can't let that distract you. You can't let that make you give up. You have got to press through it because he would not be doing this to you if your praying was not effective. So take that as a sign that it's working, but don't let up. Okay, don't chicken out. Don't don't like, okay, I'll just go back to the way things were. I don't like this. No, you follow through on this. You keep praying. You keep praying more than you were before. You can win this fight, but don't give up because he's going to try. He is going to try to scare you out of this fight. I have a story for you, for you, and this is this is from back when I was working with youth. And and listen, this story is going to be a little bit more dramatic than what you are probably dealing with in your struggles against the devil. OK, but I think it's going to illustrate the point that I'm making here pretty well. Uh, one of the kids in the youth group was having demonic manifestations in his house. Okay, and and this kid, uh, he had a lot of darkness in his life, uh, and he just he didn't have a Christian home. He he his whole household seemed to be that way. There was just a lot of darkness going on in that home, and so it was not that surprising. Then you know, one time we're uh, we're riding in the church van and we're talking about we're talking about spiritual subjects and giving open doors to the enemy and stuff like that in your life, and and he starts talking about yeah, he's like in my house, you know. We'll have objects flying off the walls. Or he said sometimes he'll walk into a room and he'll see like a, a ghostly apparition in the in the room. And he didn't know how to make these things leave. And so he started praying and I started praying. I said, hey, let's get this taken care of. Let's get these things out of here. 
and and we start praying and I start praying for him. You know, every time I'm several times a day, I start praying for the darkness to leave his house. And he comes to me a couple days later and and he's like, ever since that night we started praying, he's like, things got so much worse. He said he will walk into a room and he's like a demonic face will just like appear in front of me for a second. And he said, I'm hearing strange sounds throughout my house and and everyone's mad. Everyone's at each other's throats. And and this teen boy is like, he's freaked out. He's getting scared about what's going on. And I said, listen, this means our prayers are working and these spirits do not like it. So we are not backing down. Okay. We're not going to like, just go back to the way things were. It's like, okay, I'll just live with the demons and I'm just going to be, you know, I was a little more comfortable when they were just kind of down, down here. But now that they're manifesting up in this way, I don't, you know, I'm, I just want to go back to the way things were. No, we are pressing forward. And that's what we did. And, it, you know, it took a few weeks, but they finally left him alone. He said peace came back to the home. There were no more apparitions. There weren't any more things flying off the walls. And that that is what you got to do sometimes to get the demons out. There is going to be an initial fighting back. And that's going to be your test right there. And it's like, okay, am I going to back off? Or am I going to press forward? That is your test. And and guys, this is what you do. You keep pressing forward. You keep pressing forward until the demons are gone. Because they're going to give you that full court press. They're going to fight you every step of the way. They're going to make they're going to make unfortunate things happen to you and it's going to look like bad luck or they're going to tempt you like never before. They want you to sin cuz if you sin then it's going to it's going to hurt your confidence and that will weaken your prayers and and they're going to put distraction after distraction out there to derail you and I'm telling you stick with the fight. When I started this series about the devil um about a month ago, I got sick. Okay, if you remember, um, I missed recording a few episodes, kind of like a week or two there around Christmas. I took a few weeks off right around New Year's time. Uh, And listen, I just picked up a bug and that bug just it made my throat raw. I even tried recording an episode with that sore throat and it it sounded so terrible. Like I just I just re-recorded it later whenever I got better. Um, But guys, I got sick when I started into this series. That could have been a coincidence. Okay, there were lots of bugs going around where where I live. All right. I'm not saying every sickness is always from the devil. I'm not trying to be superstitious right now. I don't know if it was the devil. I'm just saying I got I started in to this this series about the devil and trying to expose him and I got sick. And I knew that I was picking a fight with him whenever I started into this series of episodes here on the podcast. So I knew I should expect some resistance from him. And listen, guys, my encouragement to you Press forward. Don't let him intimidate you out of this fight. Okay? Actually, let's talk about Jesus' temptations as we wrap up. It's almost kind of humorous to me. Like, when when Satan showed up in the desert to tempt Jesus, it, uh, he got pretty extreme right there. <laughs> okay? I just want you to think about this. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days in the desert. So at the moment that Satan comes to him, he is like at his weakest. Okay? He is at his most vulnerable. And that is when Satan comes. That's when he comes. Not when we're strong. He shows up whenever we're weak. And he tells Jesus that he should just turn some stones into bread. Now, if you had not eaten anything for 40 days, I can see how that would be pretty tempting. You know, to to be honest, I'm not even sure what's wrong with it. (laughs) 
<laughs> except that Satan was suggesting it. But it's like, man, if I could turn stones into bread, I'd be doing that every day, <laughs> especially if people are throwing stones at me or something. So I thought that, that would that would look like a pretty good idea. I don't even know what's really sinful about it. But Jesus said no. And then the next temptation was that he told Jesus to go jump off a tall building. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think Jesus was suicidal. <laughs> I don't think he was much interested in that one, but he turned that one down too. And then the third temptation of Christ is that Satan told Jesus to bow down and worship him. Can you believe that? He actually asked the son of God to worship the devil. <laughs> to me, that was even more extreme than the other two. Like, I don't think Jesus was inclined for even a second to, to bow down and worship Satan. I think he probably would have went back and thrown himself off the building before he did that. So here's what I'm telling you guys. I think Satan was getting desperate. He was getting, he was coming against Jesus, throwing everything he could, and it was not working. He was getting desperate, and that's Satan's weakness. That's what we will talk about next week. Satan is on a ticking time clock, and his time is running out. And Satan gets desperate, and when he gets desperate, he gets stupid. You don't be stupid. Be smart. Be informed. Don't be ignorant of his devices. Thanks for listening to the Cross References Podcast. This has been Luke Taylor, and I hope the Bible makes more sense to you after this episode.